Hi, welcome to Not a Couple, uh, Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this week we're talking about episode number eight. It's called The Buying Game. Ooh. Like the crying game. But sadder. And with less trans issues. And more sexism. Yay! Well, maybe not. <laughs> I haven't actually seen, read, what is The Crying Game? It's a movie. Okay. So, I mean... Yay, the 90s. It would have been a topical reference for Will and Grace. Okay. But this episode has nothing to do with that. Nope. So it's totally not important. <laughs> Let's talk about the episode summary. It's, uh, Grace seeks Will's help in a ne- negotiating a deal to buy her studio space, but she is shocked by the tactics Will uses to get the price down. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I'm gonna go I think we're all pretty shocked. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Just. Well, we're going to talk mostly about that plot in this episode. There was, there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. So I thought maybe one good thing to do to start is to not talk about it at all. All right, great. <laughs> I talked a little bit about what Jack and Karen are doing this episode. Um, Perfect. They have a really thin B-plot. Uh, Very thin. Basically. Paper thin. Sheet thin, even. Ooh. Sheets are thicker than paper, though. You know that, right? Nuh-uh. Uh-huh. Nuh-uh. Uh-huh. We'll come back to that. Okay. So it, it kind of gets introduced with a quick throwaway line mm-hmm. um, to kind of fill space while the Will and Grace conflict is getting set up. But mm-hmm. Jack has decided his new career is a masseuse. Yes. So he needs bodies to practice on. Yes. Uh, to get his 100 hours to be a licensed masseuse. Mm-hmm. And Grace won't do it. Yes. I don't remember why Grace won't do it. Well, I think it's just the idea that Jack is sort of flighty and this is just another one of his mm. flights of fancy sort of things and they don't really want to be his guinea pig. Also, Grace is a real job. Grace is a real job. And Karen doesn't. So he ends up being Karen's masseuse. Mm-hmm. Did you have that beautiful moment when they're discussing? He's like, well, I don't want to practice on anyone who's like, what is it? Harry... Smelly. Uh, Harry, smelly, or... Bacne. Bacne, yes. It's Harry, smelly, and Bacne, and he, like, turns and he's like, who's who's gonna do it? And, and like, Will and Grace are just like, Harry, smelly. Yes, but, but Grace is Harry, and Will is smelly. Yes, and then and then Karen's, like, Bacne, and she's like, oh, who am I kidding? Is Alabaster from, like, shoulder <laughs> to butt, or whatever. <laughs> Which raises some weird questions about what her butt looks like. Oh, Jack has some things to say about it, including <laughs> you can bounce a quarter off them, mm. so... But uh, but anyways, it's it's a pretty simple storyline. Mm-hmm. It uh, it starts with Karen being like, I don't think I'm gonna like a masseuse, and then she loves it. And then, of course she does. And then she's like, it just turns into like a very like prostitutey sex worker yeah. me plot line where she's like, I pay you. I don't want you touching anyone else. I need you. I pay you good money. Right. You do what I want. And he's like, No, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Which I mean, it it is all the beats right. Yes. It's not gratuitous, and it's not too bad. In its judginess. It's not great, but it's not, like... It could be worse. It could be a lot worse. I also did like how the plot resolves with, um... Basically, Jack is, at one point, just like, No, I can't do it. We're too straight. Yes, yes. That was pretty funny, is that that's the sole reason, is it makes him feel too straight. Right. To, like, rub on a lady's naked body. <laughs> I do like how so many Jack and Karen plots so far have resolved with, basically, straight panic. Yes. <laughs> like, there's, there's the uh, the episode where they're, they're like, learning to dance, and, and then Jack's like, my tummy feels funny. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of a cute little plot line. It's Jack and Karen being goofy. Yeah. We see Karen's apartment. We do see Karen's or apartment. Or house, or penthouse, or... Yeah, it's big. Right. We also get another reference to Rosario, who mm. will be a character, I promise. I remember you saying that. Someday she'll appear. She's pretty good. Okay. She's a fun character. She's just kind of like an off-screen presence at this point. Yeah, but her name is Rosario. She is their housekeeper. Okay. The show has done a pretty good job of condensing down to just Will and Grace and Jack and Karen. Yeah, that's true. In this episode, we don't even get Harlan. Yeah. Like, it's... It's just them. It's just them, and it's the British landlord dude. Right. So, well, let's talk about the British landlord dude. He's if, British. Since we have to. 
Since we have to. Um, so basically the, the A plot of the episode comes up when Grace finds out that her landlord yes. is trying to offload the place. I think so we can go back to England. Yeah, it's, kind of... it, he says that he's on a flight back to London yes. like at some point in the episode. So I think that, that seems to be the like idea is that he wants to move back home. Right. So she's buying her studio. Yes. But she can't afford to buy her studio because New York is really expensive. Right. Well, it doesn't seem that she can't afford it. It's just that she wants a better price for it. Okay. That's, good. That's maybe a better way of phrasing it. Because she comes to Will right away. Yeah, so she she like brings him lunch and he's like, oh, which is exactly how you get to my heart. Yeah, he's like, oh, and I see that you're here to solicit free legal advice, and she's (laughs) like, yes, please. Um, so he's giving her some advice about like, oh, yeah, I'll help you talk to your like landlord, negotiate a good price for you, and all this stuff. Things take a turn for the horrifying. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, basically the. The thing is that we've never really seen Will do his lawyering thing. So this is an opportunity for us to see that. Unfortunately, it doesn't... I never want to see it again. Yeah. And what happens is that basically Will gets super aggro, played hardball with this guy, mm-hmm. and kind of just throws Grace under the bus. Yes, but like his approach to playing hardball isn't like, you know, when you normally see people play hardball on TV, where they're like, well, we're not budging, and this and that, and we're going to do something else, and mm-hmm. but rather to just be like, Grace is a motherfucking moron, and like, you can't possibly do this horrible thing to her. Look at her. Yeah. She's such a fragile artiste. Mm-hmm. And Look at that hair. Oh my God, it's horrible. It's so horrible. Oh, I can't even imagine what you would do to me if I did that to you. Well, that was the most unbelievable part of this episode for me, is that Grace didn't just like climb out of her body and just like, <laughs> Claw his eyes out. I mean, the thing that I would do to you is three to five years for manslaughter. <laughs> <laughs> I'd make it look like an accident, but you know it wasn't. Well, I'd be dead, so. Well, you'd know. Well, I'd be dead. You died. Admittedly, like, Grace is immediately, like, appalled. So the episode is very clearly, like, understanding that Will is in the wrong here. Right. But this is. Okay, let's break it down. So this is perhaps one of the gayest episodes we see for Will. Mm-hmm. Um, just to start off with, he's a lot more stereotypically gay. He's very sassy. Mm-hmm. He's doing a lot of ridiculous accents and singing and dancing. And, right. And he's all like, Grace, I'm going to help you out. We're right. going to fix this. And I'm excited to see Sassy Gay Will. Yes. But I'm not excited that Sassy Gay Will is only used as a counterpoint for mean, kind of sexist Will. Yeah. So then we get this bit where Grace, like, comes home the next day and she's all excited because she talked to the landlord right. guy and she totally got him to, like, lower the price and yeah. she's all pumped and he looks at it and he's like, Grace, you only lowered the price 5%. This is bullshit. Yeah. Which, like, fair. Like, it's it seems very likely that he played her a little bit. And That's actually kind of interesting that we're, we're talking about, like, the actual play-by-play of this because, you know, the episode really hinges on the stuff that happens where Will actually confronts the landlord. But that actually does come pretty late yeah. in the episode. There's so much the episode that happens, and then all of a sudden it just kind of shifts on a dime. Right. So once he realizes that she definitely is getting screwed over by this deal, he like tells her he's going to talk to the landlord, they're going to figure it out. Yeah. And so that all sounds great and positive, and like he's trying to be a good, supportive, helpful friend so that she can incre- achieve this goal of owning her studio space yeah. at a good, affordable price that she can have. Mm-hmm. And that's when things get terrible. Yeah. Because... I think, maybe we're, I think maybe we can't explain it well enough. I think let's let, let's let Will speak for himself. Okay. Mr. Truman. Mr. Hutt, appreciate your coming. You know Grace? I do indeed know Miss Adler. How well? Well, she's been my tenant for... I don't think you know Grace at all. Pardon me? You don't know her, pal. Because if you did, you'd know this woman knows absolutely nothing about business. Mr. Truman, your client is a perfectly competent... Competent? (laughs) 
Did you say competent? Look at her. <laughs> Does she look particularly business-minded to you? Does this hair say, I went to the Harvard Business School? <laughs> She's a designer. A designer. You know what's up here? Pretty pillows, floor lamps, maybe a couple of chenille throws, and th th that's all, folks. And a whole lot of room left for numbers. That's not cool. That's fucking savage. That's just devastating. Like, to me, at least, as someone who's only seen, like, this handful of episodes, this was the meanest Will has actually ever been to her. And he's Ooh. trying to help her. Yes, like, this is his idea of helping, is to just completely and utterly throw her under the bus. Ugh. Say how bad at business she is. Say how bad at life she is. Right. Like, and this is immediately after he's been super supportive of her. Like, just, we're going to do it together. Right. Just let me do the talking and, like, stay here and be strong. Right. He's like, make your angry face and I'll do the talking because I'm a lawyer. And it makes total sense because if I had a lawyer best friend, I would absolutely let them do the negotiating when it came to that. But then his way of negotiating is to just all oh, these insults, just right. one after another, after another. And she even comments on that. She's like, you had that ready to go. The hair, the eyes. You don't think I'm a good businesswoman. But then he doesn't. He doesn't. He like straight up, basically by saying nothing, admits that he doesn't think she's a good businesswoman, mm -hmm. which is insane because, you know, I do often talk about, I don't understand how the fuck she's still employed on this show. Like a lot of her choices but don't we're not her friend. seem to make sense, but we're not her best friend. And, you know, I even if I thought that my best friend was, like, the stupidest motherfucker in the world, I don't think I'd tell them that. I think right. that that's just better left unsaid. Mm -hmm. and, but not in the way that Will leaves it unsaid. Right. Which right. is dead and cricket chirping silence, which, oh, my God. I will say that from our relationship, sometimes you do hit that point where, like, you're stuck between wanting to be, like, a really supportive, positive friend and wanting to be honest. And both of those things in isolation are ways to be a good friend to someone. Yes. And, like, when they conflict... It's, it's, it's hard. It's a problem. So I understand his dilemma there because he doesn't want to lie to her and say, yes, Grace, I think you're amazing. But also... When clearly he doesn't think that. He clearly thinks that she's a moron as just On the other hand, he's just been an asshole. So I'm really glad that she just, like, destroys him. Yeah. So she's pissed, understandably, like, livid, angry. I literally just wrote in my notes, just, William! And underlined it, like, a bunch of times because I could not believe that he was saying these things. In front of her. Like, you know, it would be one thing if, like, he'd been talking behind her back. Right, and to, she like, heard about it later. Right, but, like, to her face, like, in earshot, he's like, she's a Without idiot. clearing it with her. Yeah, he didn't even run it down with her. Like, this is our play. We're going to play you down right. as, like, some ditzy woman. Right. And I'm going to get you the best deal I can. Right. Okay, because here's the thing. If we were in the same situation, and I was the lawyer, and you were the dumb businesswoman who doesn't know anything. Artiste. <laughs> um... And this landlord was someone who would be swayed by that argument, and I knew, right. and we both knew that. I would clear that with you first. Right. I'd be like, okay, this dude's an asshole, but I think if I just throw you under the bus, it would work out great. And I think it would have been a totally different episode if he just said, hey, I think the best way to handle this with this guy, because he seems kind of douchey and sexist, mm -hmm. is if I just say that you're an idiot, and I know better than you, and I'm going to help you out. Maybe that would have been less brutal to watch but he didn't clear it with her in any way and you could certainly still have the conflict if she'd said like surprised by how bad it is but like it shows at least then it would have shown a more concern for her feelings right like this is blatant disregard for how she feels his goal here isn't to get what she needs and what she wants his goal is to win yes and to show off how good of a lawyer he is yes and it's just painful to watch so that's horrible yeah Here's the other thing is that I can see the episode being set up really well to just come out and be like, Will being sexist and that's terrible, except for the other thing. Yes. 
So then we get into the more layered, oniony bits of this bullshit. Yes. So and then, I, and I don't think the episode is really figured out what to do with this. Yes. I, I think that is a flaw for it that I'm not sure it can really overcome. Yes. Because I don't think, I don't think it totally agrees with Grace that what she's about to do is correct. Right. But I think it also doesn't totally disagree with her. Yes. Basically, what what happens is that she says that she's not going to do it. Yes. At the last minute, and she kind of just freaks out. Yes. In front of the landlord. Yeah, like has a complete tears breakdown mm-hmm. about how her life makes no sense and it doesn't make sense for her to buy this building because she doesn't even like own her place where she lives. She's a renter mm-hmm. and she hasn't had sex in five months and she mm-hmm. just completely breaks down crying and his response is to say, I really need to get back on a plane to London. I will knock an additional amount of money off of this. Like just let me know. And literally as soon as he's out the door, Grace just like pops her head up and is just like, I told you so. Yeah, she's just like, still think I'm a bad businesswoman. That's what it was, it's yes. ins- And it's just like, on the one hand, I kind of love her subverting his bullshit by playing completely into it and doing it better. Yes. But on the other hand, like, Grace, you know how much better you are than this than to just play the crying, sobbing, sad woman to yeah. get money. But like, ah, I just... Ah. The thing is, like, it could have been super cool and subversive if she'd played it a different way. Mm-hmm. But she didn't. And it still could have been cool and subversive, but it was literally just to prove a point to Will, which is that you think you can play people like a fiddle. Watch me play this better, because yeah. I'm a woman. I can cry. You can't do that. I can do that. Suck it. Right. Both of their arguments revolve around the same point, which is that Grace isn't a good businesswoman right. because she's a woman. I wanted to talk a little bit about this. So it seems to me the general thesis of this show um, kind of plays into this, and I'm going to put my monocle on to talk about this. Monocle moment. Um... So, if any of our listeners out there have read How to Be a Woman by Catelyn Moran, yes, she pronounces it Catelyn, not Caitlin, I checked. Um, Thank you for that. <laughs> she has this bit in chapter, the chapter where she encounters some sexism. Okay. And she's, it's a memoir a little bit. And so she's talking about how she felt really uncomfortable discussing sexism and patriarchy with other women. Okay. But she didn't so much with gay men. And so I'm going to read a little bit of it quick. She says, but I do have some conversations about the patriarchy, and I'm having them with gay men. At 18, I'm discovering what generations of women have long known, that the natural ally of the straight woman is the gay man, because they are other. Losers, too. Okay, so that seems to be kind of one of the general theses of this show, theses, whatever, right. of the show, is that gay men and straight women are naturally, like, allies, they're aligned, they, like, suffer the same sort of, like, prejudices and right. stuff. And then in this episode, they kind of take that and they shoot it in the face and they beat the shit out of it and then they stomp on it and it's horrible. But maybe they don't know they're doing it, which because, is so frustrating. Because Will is confronted about this by Grace. He's just like, I'm helping you. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't seem to understand his blatant sexism mm-hmm. at all. And so it really upset me because say what you want about this sort of idea about gay men and straight women being like perfect for each other because there's a lot of iffy stuff in there. Right. But there some like literal cultural context for seeing that in media mm-hmm. and so for a show that makes that kind of a central point and figure that these people are like perfect friends and they make really good allies for each other because right. they can advocate for each other the first time we actually see a gay man go to bat for a straight woman it is in this horribly sexist way mm-hmm. and it makes me angry yeah like so angry like flip a couch angry like mm-hmm. I mean, this is probably the angriest I've seen you in an episode of the show, and we've we've talked about some really problematic things on the show already. Right. Like, I mean, uh, there's definitely some problematic stuff, but in this one in particular, I was just so floored just by the whole way that they handled it. Mm-hmm. And 
like, in my opinion, like, I understand it's 2016 now, but, like, I could totally see that happening on TV today, and I'm yes. not cool with that. Yeah. Like, this is something we should have improved upon since exactly. 1998. Some of the other things that we've talked about, some of the more transphobic jokes, right. um, I couldn't see on TV today. Or right. Or if, if I saw them, I know that there'd be an immediate response. Right. I don't think this episode would, would garner that same right. upset response. I spots. feel like in the um, hypothetical remake of 2016, Will and Grace, I don't think anyone would rewrite this episode. No. I think the only thing that would change is I think we'd lose Will's little monologue that we get at the end of the episode where he's like, well, this is just the way I have to be as a lawyer. I right. can't I can't go to the golf. I can't go to the titty bar, which, okay, let's put all that aside. Yes. Um, I just have to be aggressive and mean and say what I want and take it. And that's how I'm a lawyer. I don't know if we get that in 2016. I mean, I feel like we could possibly touch on that a little bit, but I think it would maybe be handled in a more nuanced mm-hmm. way. Maybe not written by, like, Matt. Smutchnik and all of his little cohorts but Mm -hmm. I just mean like we have episodes like if you think back to that episode of Glee where Kurt is trying to get the lead in West Side Story and he doesn't think he can play it butch enough and so we do have this undercurrent of more feminine gay men dealing with this lack of butchness that they have to try and navigate their way through this like heterocentric world and that's a totally valid thing that I think a lot of gay men have to deal with but there's this underlying undercurrent that you see when he's talking about this is that all of the people he might be making business deals with are men. Yes. And, like, that I just don't think could fly in 2016. I just don't know. I don't know if that's a time issue thing, if it's, like, an undercurrent of sexism thing that I'm just... I just have my little feminism blinders on, yeah. and I'm just like, no, 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 it's not real, it's not happening. Maybe that's the thing that's the most concerning and upsetting to me about this episode, is that out of all the problematic episodes of Will and Grace we've talked about... This one, I feel like, actually could just still be done. Yeah. This episode of Will and Grace, you could rewrite this for 2016. Yeah, like, I feel like this is, unfortunately, one of the least dated episodes we've watched. Nothing in here admittedly relies on technology. Mm-hmm. It's literally just all the same shit you could totally see in any episode of any sitcom happening today. Like, right. woman goes to friends who get legal advice for purchasing property. Mm-hmm. It goes awry. Right. Sexism happens. At the end of the day, everyone's fine. Right. Right. And it's, it's not even... Like, you could do it with all sorts of different combinations of race and gender and class and sexual orientation. You know, right. you could you could redo this with a rewrite of Will and Grace where Will is a sassy lesbian lawyer and Grace is an effeminate gay man. And you could you could set up the same thing. This whole episode could happen in the exact same way, all playing in on these, like, super heterocentric, sexist bullshit ideas. Mm-hmm. And it really is just so frustrating to watch it and be like, Man, this doesn't feel dated at all. I feel like I could have watched an episode of How I Met Your Mother that was just like this. Yes. I feel like I could have watched, like, Friends that was just like this. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I could have watched, like, Happy Endings or something that's right. a little bit more recent and been like... Yeah. Well, you know, as a side point, it's actually weird to remember that Friends is, like, a slight amount younger than Will and Grace. Right. Which it doesn't always feel. Yeah, I feel like in certain ways, Friends kind of, like, grows up a little bit faster than Will and yeah. Grace does. Which is weird because, you know, it actually starts four years before Will and Grace, mm-hmm. and you also have all those really horrible lesbian jokes in the first yeah. few seasons. But every day is your lesbian wedding, so... <laughs> <laughs> every day is lesbian lover day. Every day is lesbian lover day. I mean, if you're bisexual, is like every other day lesbian lover day? Yeah, it's uh, odd, days, it odd days are lesbian lover days, and even days are, mm. are male lover days. Interesting. For me. That's good to know. Yes. Is it different for different bisexuals? Are, do some bisexuals take the even days for the I'm, homosexual I, You partners? know, I haven't been doing meeting in a while, but okay. I, we normally negotiate those schedules on like a quarterly basis. I see, so. okay. Oh my god, we have to talk about the fake-ass Monopoly game. You mean the, the thing at the end? Yes, the thing the, at the end. Yes, okay. Where they're like playing like some type of like knockoff monopoly or something. Right. They're basically playing like 
I don't even know how to describe it. It's like they're one-upping each other with like various ways that things are worse for different types yes. of people. And so you have her being like, yes, because Will is talking about how like he can't do business the way he would, you know, interact as a normal human mm-hmm. because he can't go to the titty bar because he's not straight. Right. So he has it worse than gay businessmen. And she's like, yes, but I'm a woman. So I win because mm-hmm. I'm lower. And then they just kind of keep one-upping each other. Mm-hmm. And I think I wrote down some of them. Let me take a look. It's gay girl, gay girl. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, girl card trumps the gay card and the gay girl card beats both. Black by curious dyslexic woman beats those both. I was impressed that dyslexia squeezed in there. Yes, and then disabled transsexual with split ends beats all of those. That was the ending. And what the actual fuck, guys? Like, I literally wrote down what the actual fuck. <laughs> well, you're not playing a card game, which I think would have actually, from a, you know, from a terrible but more thematically significant point, they should have been playing cards at that point. Yeah, like, I don't or know. whatever. Like, playing, like, oppression Yu-Gi-Oh! or something. <laughs> like, oh, I see, but my black trans person has more attack points than your gay right. woman. Yeah, and I, I know we talked a little bit off mic about whether or not girl really trumps gay. And I, I think that's not maybe not the point that we want to talk about. I mean, you brought up something else. I mean, girl absolutely trumps gay. Let's just be real. Right. Because, I mean, the, especially in the case of Will and Grace, we have white cis gay man versus white cis woman. Right. Girl definitely trumps gay right. in that perspective. There's definitely some stuff there about their sort of like little oppression card game that they're playing. I kind of wanted to... Put on my other monocle, so basically... Ooh, double monocle moment. Glasses is what right. I'm Glass. wearing. Glasses. Glasses moment. Glasses moment. And talk a little bit about um, this piece by Audre Lorde, and I hope some of you have read it. If not, that's okay. Um, Who is Audre Lorde? Audre Lorde is awesome, and you should definitely look her up. I mean, I know, but I want you to describe it for our listeners. No. <laughs> if you don't know who Audre Lorde is, please don't listen to this podcast. Okay, maybe listen to this podcast, but like, learn who she is. Okay. I'm not telling you. Educate yourselves, humans. Anyways, so she has this piece, and it's called There Is No Hierarchy of Oppressions, which I wanted to talk about and read a little piece of for you all. (laughs) Okay, so here's this bit from her piece, There Is No Hierarchy of Oppressions. Um, So within the lesbian community, I am black, and within the black community, I am a lesbian. Any attack against black people is a lesbian and gay issue because I and thousands of other black women are part of the lesbian community. Any attack against lesbians and gays is a black issue because thousands of lesbians and gay men are black. There is no hierarchy of oppression. I kind of liked that piece because it sort of flies in the face and is a bit more interesting, in my opinion, than yeah. just being like someone who's trans and has split ends has a much worse life than me, a cis, white, rich, gay man. Right. Because while there's definitely some things there, I kind of like the recontextualizing of it as, you know, no, because if it affects me, it affects other people like me. So any of these other groups that I'm part of are also impacted. Right. And we should all be working together to sort of end these types of oppressions. Hmm. So gay men experience a certain level of oppression and women experience a certain level of oppression. And gay women are kind of in both of those pieces of the Venn diagram. And so rather than just playing against each other, what Will and Grace and other gay men and straight women should be doing is working towards improving the lives of all women, including gay women. Right. And men should be working towards improving the lives of all gay men. There isn't really like a like stackable, this one is worse, so I win right. sort of thing, but rather this one is an intersection of a lot of different right. things and we should all be working together to improve the lives of all the people in all of these groups. It's kind of like the episode shouldn't end with Will and Grace still competing. Yes, exactly. They shouldn't be competing. They should be realizing the different privileges that they have and using those to their advantage to help each other. Right. And it pisses me off that it doesn't end that way. Mm-hmm. It pisses me off that they just kind of play this little like oppression card game and then they're just like, well, ba da ba ba da ba. Yeah. 
I think we've seen this before in other episodes where they bring up a serious topic and then just, like, joke their way out of it. Right. And, like, it just, it's one of those things that kind of makes me crazy. And maybe it's just the writing style or something, but I feel like it's almost like if they're going to bring it up, they have to bring it home. And if they aren't going to be able to bring it home, they shouldn't keep bringing it up in the sitcom. Yeah. It's very interesting for me to watch this as, like, a more critical viewer because I think I mentioned the last time that I, like, really seriously sat down and watched, like, the first season of Will and Grace. I was a freshman in college, mm-hmm. like, I was a wee little 19-year-old that had a lot of nostalgic memories of it, and I still have all of that good stuff, but now I'm watching it as a 25-year-old person who just got into graduate school for gender studies, mm-hmm. so I, I'm kind of just agog and aghast <laughs> that all... Your the, fave is problematic. My fave is problematic, and I'm feeling ways and stuff about that. Mm-hmm. That was also a little humble brag in there, because guess that I just got into graduate school for gender studies. <laughs> Yay! Yeah! So yeah, that's kind of the note that maybe we should end on there, is yeah. that basically the takeaway of this episode is that Will and Grace compete to the very end, and there's no clear winner, and it's just kind of like a Hunger Games situation. And that makes me sad. And that makes me sad, because I feel like they do have such a close, tight-knit relationship, they should want to help each other out. Mm-hmm. That Will should try and help his friend, who's at a disadvantage because she's a woman. And Grace should want to help out her friend, because he's at a disadvantage sometimes for being a gay man. Mm-hmm. And they should do stuff to make each other work better and do better and be able to do great things and not be held back by these various types of oppression. Right. And instead, mm-hmm. we get, well... We get conflict. At least we're not as bad as the black trans person with split ends. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it was. <laughs> Maybe they were a disabled trans person with split ends. They were definitely a trans person with split ends. I don't know. I think they're going to need to get some booster packs yeah. to white out their friend group. Yeah, it is admittedly a, a pretty white group of people yeah on that note us two white people are gonna let you go bye bye (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of not a couple if you like us love us and want more of us and you want to follow us on various social media you can do that how do they do that i will tell you how you can do that so if you want to follow us on twitter we can be found at not a couple show if you want to get in touch with us on tumblr you can find us at not a couple podcast.tumblr.com um, our ask box is always open. We are pretty responsive to messages, though not a few people are sending any. So I'm not bitter or anything, but guys that run the Tumblr, it'd be super nice if you could respond to some of the stuff with your blog. If you guys don't start doing it, I'm going to have to do it under fake names, and that's just going to be a lot of work. I really can't handle and that right gonna now. And it's going to be really sad for everyone. So. <laughs> or you can send us an email. Or you can send us an email at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com, and we'll answer you back, and we'll write you a lovely letter, and we'll probably give you a shout-out on air. Yep. So, great. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. And we love you. And that's the end. That's it. Bye. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye. Once again, uh, I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this has been Not Not a Couple. couple. Bye. Bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Thanks, Eliza. This episode was sponsored by the new hit card game series, Oppression Yu-Gi-Oh! I play my blue-eyes white person! Not so fast! My black magician will obliterate your blue-eyes white person! Not so fast! Not so fast! I play my sexism trap card which destroys your black magician! Now coming to a store near you.